Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you today. Um, we have the, uh, the interesting opportunity of meeting each other. Um, I for the first time with you and you for the first time with me. Um, just a little bit about my, uh, my ministry. I, I've spent uh, 20 years in pastoral ministry, most of that in New Jersey. Uh, we knew the Hammonds uh, uh, well in, in, uh, in Queens, New York, and were part of helping their ministry get up and running. And um, uh, my, uh, my wife and I have four daughters, uh, all of them married. Uh, we have 12 grandchildren. My wife would be normally with me today, but she's under the weather. And um, uh, we actually have, if you would like to pray, I'll give you a prayer request. Um, our, um, our oldest daughter from Long Island and her family came out for Christmas and they got sick, and they are still at our house. And so they were supposed to leave last weekend and have not been able to leave yet. Um, and uh, so we're, we're taking care of three young grandchildren as they, as they try to get back up on their feet. Uh, they're they're going to try to leave here at the end of this week, uh, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so if you would uh, take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 27, Psalm 27 this morning. And I want to look at what I've entitled is The Believer's One Desire. The Believer's One Desire. Psalm 27 is a, is a psalm of uh, really encouragement in the middle of dark days, in the middle of difficult days. And we'll see that as we look through the psalm uh, this morning. Follow along as I read, beginning at verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me high and upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer the sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. 
Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Lord, we thank you today for the opportunity to open up your word, and we ask, Father, that uh, your hand of blessing would be upon uh, this time together. We thank you, Father, for the uh, the words of David in the, in the scriptures today. And we ask that, that this passage would be an encouragement to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we open up 2022, we are in the midst of difficult days. I have lost count of the number of funerals that I have been to that are COVID-related. I, um, in fact, in this past year, I don't, think, I don't think we have ever done this before, but twice in this last year, we have had a wedding at one part of the day and a funeral in another. I don't think I've ever done that in my, in my ministry days, and yet this year we have done that twice. Well, we live in the midst of, um, of, of difficult political days of difficult economic days and uncertainty that is all around us. Uh, we, we have uh, all kinds of, of, of social unrest and strife. Um, I feel sometimes like we're sitting on a, on a, on a, on a, a keg of, of gunpowder and, and with a fuse and somebody's trying to light the match. Does that feel a little bit like it sometimes? And, and as we look at this psalm, in Psalm 27, I think we're going to see that David was surrounded by trouble, surrounded by distress. In fact, it is one of the most uh, 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 heartfelt stories of David's troubled life that we find at every turn. One of the interesting things that we find in this, in this psalm, and we'll, we'll mention this as we go by, but just to give you a little bit of a background in verse 10, David says, when my father and my mother forsake me. Now, we don't know a lot about David's parents. We do know that David is the son of Jesse. We do know that David was a shepherd, therefore his father was a shepherd. But we don't know a lot about this story. In fact, the last time that we see David's parents mentioned in scriptures is in Psalm, or it's in uh, 1 Samuel, uh, I believe it's 23, where David is, is fleeing uh, from, the, from the, the, the oppression of Saul. And, and interestingly, David's parents flee to Moab for safety. Now, it's interesting, David's parents going to Moab, you'll remember that David's, I believe it is his great-grandmother, was Ruth, who is from Moab. And so they are, in essence, going back to relatives. But look at David's words as he describes them leaving. He says, my mother and my father forsook me. They ran out on me. They left me. And so it is not just outside trouble that David has, but it's even within his family. It's even within, within his own home that there, is, that there is difficulty. 
Now I want us, as we open up this psalm, I want us to understand that David, in the midst of discouraging days, troubling days, perilous days, David keeps his focus on the Lord. And I want us to see that in this, in this psalm today as we, as we try to understand how to engage our own world. How do we, who, who call upon the name of the Lord, how do we, who, who, who want to serve the Lord, how do we do that with an integrity that God expects in our lives? And so, first of all, as we open up this psalm, I want you to see, first of all, uh, my one focus, or David's one focus, which should be our one focus. And I want you to see that he says in, in, in verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. And in the midst of all the things that were going on in David's life, he wants his focus, his primary focus of life, to be on the Lord. Never lose sight of the Lord who saves us, of the Lord who keeps us, of the Lord who ultimately provides all that we have in life. Keep your eye on the Lord. David's trouble is all around. I, I, I'm just going to run through the psalm and just look at the, the engagement that, that David has with, with trouble. I mean, look with me in, in verse 2. He talks about the, the, the wicked come against him, my enemies and my foes. Look at verse 3. And Though an army encamp against me, though war may rise against me. Verse 5. For in the time of trouble... Um, look with me at verse, uh, verse 6. My enemies all around me. Verse 11 and 12. Um, he talks about my enemies. Do not deliver me, verse 12, to the will of my adversary, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I mean, the psalm is, is filled with an understanding of the enemies of David. David, if you reflect back on his life, we understand David had really two primary times of trials. One was with Saul when, when the, the Lord rejected Saul as king and was, was, was putting David in his place and the, and the story in 1 Samuel of, of all of that working out. The second was following David's great sin with Bathsheba and how uh, Absalom uh, interrupted the rule of David, and, and David had to flee into the wilderness again to preserve his own life. Now, we don't know this, this story. I don't know that there's enough information in this psalm to actually understand which of those incidences that actually, actually uh, was part of it. But what we do understand here is, is that even... even to the, to the point of his family deserting him, David was in trouble. And he cries out, who, who, who should I fear? Why am I, why am I afraid? Why am I fretting? Why am I worrying? Because in the midst of this, my focus is going to be on my God. And in verse 3, he says, Though an army camp against me, my heart shall not fear. 
though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. My one focus is going to be on my God, on the one in whom I trust, my strength, my salvation, my light. I mean, what a, what a blessing for us to think about David in the midst of all of the trial. His eyes stayed on the Lord. And I want to encourage us, if we're going to have a take-home truth out of these few verses, it would be that we need to have faith, not fear. We need to have faith, not fear. And I tell you, there are people who are today gripped by fear. We as a, I would say, I would say as a culture, as a, as a country, but I would say really it is, it is worldwide. People are gripped by a fear of a virus. They are gripped by fear of, of the unknown. They are gripped by fear that something might happen to me that I can't control. We are, we're, we're, we're surrounded by it, by an enemy. David says, keep your focus on God. And our life needs to be controlled by faith, not by fear. David goes on and he says, not only his one focus, but he talks about his one desire. And in the next few verses, verses 4 through 6, David says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. I, got, I, I have one desire. Well, David, okay. David's desire ought to be my desire. What is his desire? That I will seek and that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David's desire was to seek after God. It's interesting where he does this. He talks about his house. He talks about the temple, which was not built yet. He talks about the tabernacle, which, which was where David went for worship. It is in his presence His one desire was to be in the presence of the Lord. And notice what he says in in, um, in verse uh, 6. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. What David is talking about is keeping He's already told us that his focus is going to be God. But now what he says is, my one desire is that I can work out, I can serve God in his presence. I want to be able to serve the Lord where he is. I want to be able to be in the presence of God. In the, in the, and, and, and you have to understand in the Old Testament... The, the tabernacle was the essence of the presence of God. 
And David says, I want to be where God is because I want to serve God. I want to lift up my voice in praise. I want to take the, the fruit of my hands and I, and I want to give them in sacrifice to God. You know, it is easy in life to get distracted. It's easy in life to, to try to head in one direction, and all of a sudden we're going in all different kinds of directions. You know, I tell, I, one of the great privileges of my life is I get to train young pastors at the seminary how to be pastors. It's a great privilege of my life. And one of the things that I tell young pastors that the job of the pastor is to keep the main thing, the main thing you do is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Don't get distracted. Don't go off in a different direction. But remember why you're here. And you know, church folks, for all the, for all the wonderful things that church folks do, they, they have all kinds of ideas of this is important, this is important, we ought to be doing this over here, we ought to do this over here. The pastor's job is to keep it focused. The pastor's job is to say, this is what we do, this is where we go, this is where we need to put one foot in front of another. David says, don't get distracted. Keep this one desire and that is to serve the Lord in his presence. Allow your life to be a demonstration of what God wants. David, we are told, was a man after God's own heart. He want, what he wanted was impossible to be in the presence of God in the temple, was impossible for anyone except the priest. But he says, that's what I want to do. I want to be in the presence of God, and I want to serve him, and I want to be uh, uh, known for putting my hand to God's work all the time. In verse 4, we read of this, this great desire. One thing I have desired. You remember Psalm 23, verse 6. You know, the shepherd psalm, Psalm 23, verse 6 says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It was David's passion, was to be in the service of his king. Understand that today God's presence is not tied to a location. In the Old Testament, it was tied really to the temple to the tabernacle of David's day. Today, we, can, we, we, don't, we don't go to church to be more in the presence of God than what we are at any other time. God is not here. Um, we, there, there, there's, no, there's no focal point at church for, for uh, the presence of God. We come together for worship. We come together to fellowship together. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 3, we are, we are told that there is a corporate presence of the Spirit in the, in the church. Yes, that is true. 
But understand that we, we can worship God in any place. It's not just here. But I, what, I, what I want us to understand is, is that there is to be an understanding of how do we serve God where we are today. My one desire, David says, is that I want to seek after God and serve him all of my days. Interesting, he says in verse 5, twice, he shall hide me. He shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now, I'll tell you, the people who chose the songs today didn't know what I was preaching on. We just sang a song about being hidden in the cleft. He'll hide me. We're going to sing at the end of the sermon. We're going to sing another song, a different song about hiding me. They didn't know what I was going to preach on today. But I want us to understand that, that in the hiding of God, there is help. Notice, notice he says in verse 6, my enemies around me, therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his temple. I will sing praises to the Lord. And, and understand that in our focus on God and serving him, he will care for us. He will provide for us. He will hide us. He will protect us. And when we are in the Lord's care, when we, when we are trusting him, listen, I don't care what the world does to me. I don't care what happens to me because I know that God is caring for me. So here's the take-home truth. Here's the second take-home truth. The first one was that we ought to have faith without fear. But here we need to have service without surrender. We need to not give in to the, to the pressures and the temptations of the enemy. But we need to serve the Lord in his presence. There is a third section of this psalm, and beginning in verse 7, the, uh, the, the psalmist David changes gears here. There is a hard, a hard break between verse 6 and verse 7 because verse 7 now begins with a prayer. At verse 7 down through 13, David is now changing his audience and he's no longer speaking to Israel or to us. But now he is speaking directly to God and he says in verse 7, Hear, O Lord, that's a prayer. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. And I want you to see here David's one prayer. He has one focus. He has one desire. Thirdly, here in this psalm, he has one prayer. Hear, O Lord, when I pray with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face away from me, nor turn your servant away in anger. But you have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. Now I would say to you that you need to understand that there are different um, uh, there are differences in the time periods of the Bible and how God has dealt with men. And I would say to you, the prayer of verse nine 
that David asks the Lord, that is not a prayer that we need to pray today. David saw Saul's hand of blessing withdrawn from Saul. David saw the the Spirit of God withdrawn from Saul and placed upon his own life. Since the cross, since the, since the coming of the Spirit in, 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 at Pentecost, there is a change in how the Holy Spirit has operated from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And we today have a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And we do not need to pray to God, don't forsake me. In Hebrews 13.5, what does Jesus say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. We don't need to pray what David does in verse 9. But what I want us to understand is that what David is doing is he is saying, I, I want the blessings of God all the time. I don't want to ever lose the blessings of God. David prays really for two things. In verse 7, he says, have mercy upon me. God, I need your grace. God, I need you to understand that I need your presence in my life. That is a reasonable prayer for us to to, to pray. Lord, give me your grace. Give me your mercy. Let me see your gracious hand working in in my life. Let me see how you are going to bless me. One of of the interesting facets of of, of verse 10, we mentioned his parents previously in in, in the sermon. There's another aspect of verse 10 that I want you to think with me about. Um, In fact, I have written in the margin of my Bible is adoption. When our parents forsake us, God does not forsake us. Now, I realize there's all kinds of circumstances that can happen with adoption, but but you, you, you understand here that the Lord will take care of me, even if my parents don't. The Lord will take care of me. And David says, I want your grace, I want your mercy, because even if everybody else leaves, you are going to care for me. You are going to provide for me. The second thing he says in his prayer, Lord, have mercy. But in in verse 11, he says, Lord, teach me your way. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Lord, teach me your way. I need your guidance. I need your guidance on a path that is level and even. Now notice he doesn't say, lead me on the easy path. Give me me the easiest way to go. Give me a a path where there are no obstacles. That isn't what he prays for. But what he prays for is for a path in which he can walk. Verse 12, 
David says, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, such as breathe out violence. You know, there, are, there were difficult days for David. There were, there, there were perilous days. You know, we have not seen to the point in America where Christians are actually persecuted for their faith. Now, we, we, we might be coming right up to the edge of that. And in fact, I think we could all see, a, a with, with just a little bit of turn in the political air, where that kind of thing could happen. But I'll tell you, there are many places in the world where that does happen. And there are places in the world where, where for you to call upon the name of Christ means you put your life at risk. For you to meet together on the Lord's day and worship and honor the Lord means that your life might be forfeited. There was a, 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 a church in, in Africa where, where the, uh, the, the enemies came in and put a bomb in the church, blew up many of the people in the church. Warned the pastor, if you meet again, we're going to come back and do the same thing. So what did the pastor do? The pastor put a bigger sign on the front of the church and said, we are going to meet here on Sunday. And I don't want those people to somehow go to the wrong place and attack the wrong people. Because the people of God meet here in this building. And I want you to understand that we, we, have, we have not experienced those kinds of dangers and those difficulties. But I want us to understand that, Lord, teach me how to live in a way that honors and pleases you. I take great hope in verse 13. I would have lost my heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, David, I think, is, and look at this in two ways. I think David, perhaps, is talking about in his own circumstances, in his own life. The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, meaning while I'm alive, I'm going to see the goodness of God fulfilled in my midst. But I think there's also a future sense of this, an eschatological sense of this. We, we don't always see God's full promises worked out in our own life. And there might be an opportunity for us to think that there is coming a day, one day, when all things will be made right. When God's justice will prevail. That day is not yet. That day is coming. And perhaps David is giving us a sense of what the, if we will, of what the kingdom of God on earth will one day be like. I will see the, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But I want us to understand, David says in his prayer, Lord, have mercy on me. Give me grace. I need grace to live through these days. And then teach me what it is day by day to serve you. And if you want to take home truth, here's the third, here's the third take home truth. And that is that we have to have a prayer 
with expectation. We ought to pray with expectation. We ought to pray that God is going to do something. Pray that God is working. And you know what? Today, we don't, we don't always see God's hand moving in ways that we might want. But I'll tell you today, God is here. God is working. God is answering prayer. We ought to have a prayer with expectation. David ends this psalm with his one plea. He says, I have, I have one plea, and that is, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Do you know what is hard to do is to wait? We, 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 we find waiting so challenging. Patience is so challenging. Wait for the Lord. Spurgeon says this, We need to wait for the Lord at his door with prayer, at his foot with humility, at his table with service, at his window with expectancy. Don't run ahead of the Lord. Wait for him. Don't lag behind the Lord. Wait for him. Let us wait for the Lord. You know what? God is never in a hurry. Are you ever in a hurry? You know, I don't, I don't want it yesterday. I want it today. I don't want it tomorrow. I want it today. You know, God is never in a hurry. God is never in a rush. God is always on time. Let's learn to wait for the Lord. Philip says, don't wait fretfully, that's to worry, don't wait fitfully, don't wait fatalistically, I kind of like those, those words, but let's learn to wait. You remember Daniel's three friends in Daniel chapter 3, They're, the, the fire is warmed, the The furnace is red hot, and they're getting ready to throw them in, and and the king says, any any last words? And they say, my God is going to deliver us, but if not, (laughs) I like that, but if he doesn't, my faith is that God is going to deliver us, but if he doesn't. You need to understand that it is God who reigns on this earth. We need to have faith, not fear. We need to serve the Lord and not surrender. We need to have a prayer with expectancy. And then we need to wait on the Lord. It is not our will to be done in heaven, but it is God's will to be done on earth. That's what we pray for. And I want to encourage you today. David David faced dark days. David faced lots of enemies. And and these weren't 
metaphorical enemies. These are enemies that are trying to kill him. I look at the world today, and I'm wondering, you know, what in the world is happening? What in the world is God doing? And I'll tell you right now, my faith causes me, forces me to serve him. And I want to learn how to pray with an expectancy of what God is going to do next. And then I've got to learn how to wait. Wait and see what God is going to do. Now I want to encourage you today in your faith for the Lord. I want to encourage you today in your service for the Lord. I want to encourage you today in your prayer life for the Lord. And I want to encourage you, don't get impatient with God and his timing. Let's learn to wait for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the blessings of David's life and his testimony, his his walking through dark days and learning spiritual truth from that. We ask, Father, that you would encourage us in in difficult days. Help us, Lord, to learn to wait for you. In whose name we pray, amen.